Where the goats on the barbecue. Use the horns to pick your teeth. I don't care if the airplane's street. He's singing. Can you can you make that stop? <laughs> I've never been able to in the past. <laughs> I don't know what's changed. Um, Jeb, you're working on your a, a, a what ATP? ATP. But you're not not A and P because there's this new that technology that you'd have to learn about if you were going to be. I, I see that now. <laughs> if you were going to be fairness, in fairness, I, I don't a I don't know how much of a technology this is, but in fairness, this same um, uh, this same uh, 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 custom. Could be applied to ATPs, not just AMPs. Oh, I see. Okay, sort of like a pre-flight thing. Kinda. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to sacrifice an animal in the name of air safety, the pilot would be just as good a target as the mechanic. <laughs> We're looking at it. Wasn't, you know, wasn't exactly my. This my is serious point. stuff too. This is not some sort of fly-by-night website. This is businessinsider.com. All right. In their transportation section, they have a story. Well, I, don't, I don't know if I want to go that far. <laughs> <laughs> Their transportation section is a story uh, dated just a couple of days ago. Uh, animals were sacrificed to fix this broken jet. All right, uh, in, in, two- in in two thousand seven. In two thousand seven, see, so it's old technology by now. It could be in the second or third gen by now. In well, 2000- and I'm thinking that the you know Business Insider needs to get their uh, news delivery someplace other than a goat. In two thousand seven, Nepal Airlines <laughs> sacrificed a pair of goats to help solve some of its aircraft maintenance issues. Now we're not talking about you know like a Cessna or a Piper or something like that. According to the BBC. The airline, con- the airline confirmed that the animals were slaughtered at Kathmandu's International Airport in front of the airline's malfunctioning Boeing 757. Uh, and, uh, it, and apparently it worked because the, then the flight went off and the, and the airplane did just fine and got to its destination. So, Well, this- the, the 200 series was notorious for its need for animal sacrifice. Uh, <laughs> Is that true? Okay. Well, I guess, you know, okay. Um, to this I mean, day... You, you, Sucking birds up from time to time. Well, I guess that's a form of animal sacrifice, then, isn't it? Jeb, what were you going to say? Yeah, to, to this day, no Boy Scouts go on camping trips around Seattle because of the stories. <laughs> Which stories about, are those? About all the, the goat and animal <laughs> sacrifice that has gone on. And, and, and what, what, why do the Boy Scouts care about this? Because they're telling stories around a campfire. Oh, okay. And they can't do that anymore. Now. I see. All right. <laughs> Stuff's done got real. It says here, in addition to making physical repairs, the airline also decided to appease, uh, my apologies, I'm going to mispronounce this, Akash Barab, the Hindu god of sky protection. Well, there you go. It's the Hindu. I didn't, who, who would have thought that the Hindus would be so progressive as to have a god of sky protection? A <laughs> uh, uh, quote from a senior airline official um, speaking to Reuters, they said, the snag in the plane has now been fixed and the aircraft has resumed its flights. Okay, so we need to Google um, Akash Bhairab and uh, let's see what it says. All right, what do you got? And and does he have a proper AMP license? Is my question. Yeah, it's the name given yeah. as the Sky God or the Akash Bhairab. Okay. I I, I you okay. Know. The, the whole thing about the mythology is here, and and that part of the article is accurate. According, <laughs> well, then according, the rest of it must you know, be According accurate. to you know yeah. a, a quick check. Yeah. Really. Okay. So uh, following it, this. It, it, 
apparently he's native to Kathmandu. Following the ceremony, the article goes on to say, the aircraft safely completed a flight to Hong Kong. Uh, Nepal Airlines is a government-owned national carrier for the small Himalayan country. Flying is the most effective way to get in or out of the mountainous country. How how did they find this? Why, Why is this coming to light now? This was done in, in 2007. Is there a problem with the logbooks? A slow news day? I don't know. Something, you know. Okay. It, 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 say, it doesn't say that in the article. It just uh, it says, uh, it then goes on to point out that for, yeah, go figure, unfortunately, the country's aviation safety record is far from stellar, the article says. Uh, I, know, I know what it is. I know that? what it is. It's, it's the GPS. <laughs> what's that? In what way? It's the GPS. It's the Goat Protection Society. <laughs> Boom. Has got, has gotten, Boom. Has, that's right. Got, yes, that's right. Gotten together and they're starting Welcome, to folks, to <laughs> Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. I'm Jack Hodgson, and uh, I'm here in our virtual hangar. Uh, it's probably a noisy virtual hangar. I'm pretty sure people can hear the noise in the background, and uh, I'll explain that in a second. But uh, the, I'm here in the virtual hangar with my two good friends. Uh, first of all, talking to uh, from uh, Wichita, Kansas. That's 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 uh, Dave Higdon out there someplace. How you doing, David? What's going on? Uh, well, for one thing, uh, I never had to sacrifice anything bigger than a mole. To, for flight safety, but uh, doing okay. Other than that, see, I wasn't ask, I wasn't going to ask you guys to go on the record about about the the most unusual repairs, you know, field repairs that you've done, you know, or field ceremonies that you've done in order to uh, complete a flight. But oh well, yeah, it was uh, running across a runway, and there was just nothing that could be done about it. Uh, the insurance cleared me, and the prosecutor said it wasn't chargeable, so we got off clean. <laughs> And also here in our virtual hangar is uh, coming from somewhere near Sarasota, Florida, is uh, Jeb Burnside. Hi, Jeb. Hi, hi. Anytime the prosecutor says it's not a chargeable offense, it's a good day. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, you can't go wrong, right? It's like check that box off. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I should point out to people that I, too, today am coming from somewhere near Sarasota, Florida. Um, I'm, I've actually come down here and I've arrived a couple days ago for my annual uh, retreat to uh, warmer climates. And so, uh, Jeb, thank you for letting me be your guest again. And uh, my, my pleasure. This is what happens when uh, you don't keep your address private. Yeah, I know. See, it's it's the you know you, I half expect each time to come down here to discover that you come to your senses and yeah, be a, you know just a, just an empty concrete pad and and uh, it's like where's Jeb? Where's Jeb? Jeb? Where'd you go? So. Uh, it's, uh, and it's raining here, and that's the noise I was alluding to yeah, earlier. Just yeah. as we were beginning Rain to record, the up. skies opened oh. up, and there's a big, big rainstorm going on right now. Jeb, you were saying you saw some big geckos right overhead. It's uh, It got serious there? Yeah, but, well, the, looking at uh, the, the uh, local weather radar, yeah, it's gotten big and, and red. Is Most of it seems to be either going around or is beyond us already, but there is more coming. Yeah. Oh, really? Uh, just right. right on the coastline, according to this. Well, what so. can we do to what can we do to uh, to make Akash Barab a little more happy? Because that's clearly the problem here, right? I don't think he's the god of weather. Well, it's a sky. He's the god of sky protection. He's he, he's got dotted line responsibility for this. Okay. <laughs> all right right now there's a lot of goats that are doubting his existence altogether oh see no 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 now we're really starting to get in the scary humor area um we're gonna no no more joke no more goat stories that was higdon higdon (laughs) h-i-g 
one of the reasons I'm down here in Florida, uh, other than enjoying Jeb's company, is uh, to attend the uh, Sebring, uh, what we call, what we used to call the Sebring LSA show. And uh, this well, is we the, still do apparently. Well, we do, and 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 then for a while we were calling it the Sport Aviation, uh, the U.S. Sport Aviation Expo, or, or the LSA show, or the LSA show. And now it's got a whole new name. They've actually kind of re repurposed it, if you will. They've uh, uh, you know changed its its uh, focus a little bit. They broadened its focus, and so it's not just LSAs starting this year. Um, it's uh, I think they've actually I saw th- something today that said they've actually changed the name to use the phrase affordable aircraft. I haven't huh. seen that, but yeah. then again... I may have seen a release or something like that. They're certainly parenthetically referring to it as the Affordable Air, Aircraft um, Expo because they're broadened it out to be LSAs, but also uh, other other small, inexpensive light aircraft. And uh, I think there's going to be a, an experimental component. It, it, and it has been it. rebranded, yes. What yes. are you seeing, Jeb? Tell me what you're seeing. No, I'm, I'm a, well, I'm seeing conflicting information. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing the U.S. Sport Aviation Expo logo as I normally would expect to see. And then I'm seeing, um, that's up in the upper left corner of the screen, and, and the, the, the first real text I'm seeing, uh, kind of like a headline, the Affordable Aircraft Expo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, they, so they're yeah. broadening it, yeah. they're, they're sort of focused out a bit to, to uh, you know, uh, attract a different kind, perhaps a larger audience. And um, it, it'll be interesting to see how that's changed this year from past years. So. Yeah. Yeah. We go over there. We're recording this on uh, Monday afternoon. The show begins on Wednesday morning. And uh, um, Jeb and I will be over for at least a few days uh, for the expo. Um, most notably, we'll be there on Thursday afternoon. Starting about 3.30, Jeb and I are going to be out there to, uh, we would love to meet up with any uh, listeners who might be in the area. So if you're um, going to be attending the, uh, whatever it's called, Sebring Sport Expo, the Affordable Aircraft Expo, on Thursday afternoon, um, after around about 3.15, 3.30 or something like that, um, we would love to have you stop by and say hi. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to gather um, in front of, sort of just out fr- out of the, the front entrance of what they're calling the, uh, what are they calling it, the Aviators Hotline Show Center Tent. And from the from the ground plans I've seen, it is literally at show center, sort of in the in the middle uh, uh, row aisle. Um, there's going to be a tent, and it's going to be where they're holding a lot of keynote talks throughout the week. And uh, and uh, we'll be gathering sort of out front or at the doorway or something like that um, on Thursday afternoon. There's another voice heard from here. <laughs> Jeb, Jeb is allowing all sorts of wildlife to attend his to to uh, to be present. There's a adorable dog virgil is here virgil is, uh-huh. and that's uh-huh. what i think you probably heard virgil yes virgil's is is lonely well, uh, apparently the renaming is in progress and they just announced that the new name is the affordable aircraft expo mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and of course with timing that we've seen done marvelously before they waited until a week ahead of to uh, make that change so yeah well uh, yeah. you know uh Making adjustments, making adjustments. Yeah. Now, so uh, we're going to do our meetup at 3.30 on Thursday afternoon. Um, some other things that are happening, we're going to be doing a few uh, short form, um, like our Oshkosh Daily episodes. Uh, Jeb and I will do a few of those um, about various subjects and with various guests uh, while we're there. And we'll, we'll uh, put those out probably one a day or so um, during, the, uh, during the run of uh, the expo. And so uh, that will happen. Um, also, um, I am going to be involved with one of those keynote panels that I mentioned a moment ago. Um, on, on, also on Thursday, beginning at 1.30 p.m., um, I will be hosting a, a forum on uh, affordable ownership. And uh, it's, 
They haven't told me what, what it's actually called, to be honest with you. I didn't invent this panel. They invited me to be the moderator, um, and I'm very pleased that they did. Um, they, uh, their description is the panel will discuss ways to keep aircraft ownership affordable and boost general aviation activity. Um, and uh, they will, we'll also be talking about the pros and cons of various affordable aircraft options. Um, and and the fact that I'm hosting it is no indication of the really stellar panel they've put together. Um, in, in no particular order, um, they, uh, from EAA, the home building community manager, our pal, pal Charlie Becker will be there. Uh, the publisher of AvWeb, Tom Bliss, will be in our panel. Uh, the president of the Light, Light Aircraft Manufacturers Association, also a pal of ours, Dan Johnson, will be on the panel. Uh, the president of Lockwood Aviation, Phil Lockwood, uh, an old running buddy of yours, David, I believe, right? Yep. Yep. Um, the senior manager of the and uh, AOPA's uh, pilot community development, uh, Brittany McCulka, will be on the panel. And last but not least, uh, GA News correspondent and former president of uh, GA Team 2000 and Be a Pilot is uh, Drew Steckety, who will be on the panel. So uh, it's it's quite a panel, and uh, we've got about 90 minutes to talk about the uh, the general subject of making uh, uh, aviation more approachable and affordable. And, uh, oh, so it's podcast length. It's podcast length, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's unclear to me whether we're going to record it. I, that's another question. Um, of course we're going to record it. I hope we are, but uh, we'll see. So that starts at one thirty on Thursday afternoon till about 3. Um, and uh, would love to see you come by for that as well. Uh, so um, what else is happening at the Expo? Have you heard any news, Any anything that's going to be announced? Uh, yeah, I, I confess I'm not paying that much attention. I figure I'm just going to be there and I'll figure it out. I haven't heard anything, but I haven't been looking for it either. Yeah. I've been, I, been not preoccupied with some other things. I, I think kind of obviously the uh, the big news will be what this change, this rebranding does to the to the event, what, what the the nature of the exhibitors and the forums and, and, and whatnot. So, uh, but we'll report on that from the grounds um, uh, later this week, and uh, we'll let you know what we discover. Absolutely. So, yeah, Sport Aviation, Ex- regardless of what they're actually calling it, their, their website is sportaviationexpo.com, and uh, that's later this week. What else is going on? This is a cool video. You guys, We talked about this in email, so uh, um, right, right. this is a... Uh, um, a, a video, a, an amateur video that was someone was shooting from sort of, I want to say off the off the uh, uh, departure end of a, of the active runway. So he was seeing arriving aircraft in the distance. This, this was a yeah, but this was a takeoff. What's that? Yeah, that's this right. This, a, I'm sorry, you're right. It wasn't it wasn't arriving. Was, it was it was, was a, a takeoff. Um, departure. Yeah, and uh, um, I'm I'm not looking at the video because I don't want it to be running on me here. But remind me, what kind of aircraft was this? This is tagged as an Airbus Airbus three hundred and thirty. I presume it is. Okay, yeah. um, and and we see it starting its takeoff roll. Um, the the camera was way off in the distance, so it's kind of all the perspective is is compressed. But we see it approaching uh, uh, approaching as it begins its takeoff roll, and then all of a sudden, what we see is a little bit of a puff of something from the right engine, which is the engine on our left, as we're looking at it coming towards us. And all of a sudden, we see the aircraft veer, not dramatically, not drastically, but notably. It veers off towards that dead engine um, and then kind of gets back in control. And we see some other things happening. And then the, uh, the looks like the uh, thrust reversers pop out. Um, apparently, what happened... It, well, you tell me what happened. Did either of you... There was attached to that story, attached to that video, there was a link to the... Uh, uh, the uh, it's not U.S. I don't think it was U.S., but the, uh, the equivalent NTSB report. 
Uh, this was in the UK, apparently. Yeah, and it talked about what what, what happened. It, it, some one of those things talked about it. Maybe it ingested a bird or something like that. But whatever it was, it caused the. Uh, I think another story talked about one of the turbine blades failing. Maybe that's uh-huh. what I saw. Uh-huh. Um, well, if you watch the video, yeah. at about the eighteen second, uh, eighteen seconds into the video that we've got the link to, there is a brief pulse of uh, yellow flame. Uh, behind the intake fan, mm-hmm. followed by that puff of smoke. When you watch it uh, the second time, when it's in slow motion, when the guy's replaying it for us, that really is a hell of a fireball. Yeah, there was a little came out, flame came out of that. Yeah, that typically, from what these guys have told me over the years, is a is more in line with something in the engine failing. Yeah, rather than a bird going through it. Uh, not that a bird won't do damage and shut it down. We know, you know, what geese can do to an Airbus A320. But usually a bird will go through the outer fan, do all kinds of damage there, and and it'll shut down. It won't actually get into the core of the engine. If it gets into the core of the engine, it's even worse on the engine. But you don't usually see that big fireball. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just, you know, it, it... that usually comes from when something fails in the engine. It's spinning. Uh, you know, the exception being a relight after you've had a flame out, and that can cause a big, uh, a, a big flame. But that one's going to be behind the engine, not in the engine, mm-hmm. cowling like this one was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and they were right on top of it, man. With yeah. the big kudos right to the pilot. Spoilers, the rudder. Uh, Hard left rudder on that puppy to keep it from veering off to the right even more. Yep, and uh, and got it stopped on the runway, and then we saw emergency vehicles come running out to it. And uh, no, that was like I'm thinking of the uh, the hard landing. I don't know if we saw emergency vehicles in this one, did we? Yeah, there are. There are there? I, again, yeah. I'm not watching the video right now because I don't want to look on the. I, I just watched it again, the slow mo part in particular, and I'm absolutely sure there was no goats on the runway. <laughs> okay, well, glad to hear now, it. Now, could have been, we could, could have, have had been a solution right here. Yeah. Could have been a goat that had leaped into the right engine. I know, huh? Um, at, be, at the beginning of the takeoff roll, but we can't see that part. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, this all happened when they were still able to stop on the runway. Um, it, this could have been whole, had a whole different kind of uh, play out a scenario if if they had reached the point where they were unable to stop. What's it called? There's a there's a V speed, isn't there? Well, v, V1 is the speed beyond which, if an engine fails, you take off. Right. You, okay. There's not enough. I, I think of it as there's not enough runway left to stop. Well, that's yeah, that's basically it. But the point is, at, uh, up to and at V1, you stop on the runway. You can stop on the runway. Yeah. After V1, right. you take off and continue the takeoff. So these guys obviously hadn't reached that point, and they were able to successfully stop on the runway. Um, what do, you, do either of you know, what is the one-engine um, climb performance on an aircraft like this? Would it have been better than, if, better than my debonair? Well, yeah, I was going to say, you're one-engine <laughs> yeah. one climb and a twin-engine commercial airliner today is going to be what pretty much any of us fly in GA. Yeah. Uh, oh, because really? Okay. Yeah, they're designed to actually fly through that failure at V1. You get to BR, you're supposed to be rotating. V2, you start to clean it up and, you know, set it up for climb. Well, if you uh, have an engine failure at or after V1, the procedure is 
add power and fly through it in a jet. These are uh, category aircraft. They're engineered to be able to do that. You might say overpowered, but when the engine fails just after V1, you won't think it's overpowered. No, you won't. And on top of that, 100% thrust on these engines is based on a, a, on a, a, a speed percentage of some of the rotating components. Mm-hmm. Okay. They can go beyond that. They're all designed to go beyond that for about five minutes. Yeah. But then they got to come off and be torn down and inspected before yeah. they can be flown again. There's so no, go you have a little extra power there available from that single engine when you need it. Jeb, there's an old there's an old saying that when uh, additional flights in the aircraft seem unlikely, you don't need to pay attention to the limitations. <laughs> yeah, okay. I think I've there you go. Yeah, right. Um, what is I, I have I have zero um, dual time training of any sort, but I've read some of this stuff and I'm somewhat I mean, I think I'm somewhat I mean, familiar. Multi-engine. How does it work with things like um, uh, yaw problems when you've got a dead engine on a big jet like this? Do they try and, and it, it, you know, do you get in, in a jam if you don't keep things straight? How does it work in this kind of big an aircraft? Well, you, you saw a great example of how well-mannered uh, modern transports are uh-huh. because this guy lost an engine. It is almost a textbook a simulator exercise in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. it, 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 in some ways, it's 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 almost too easy. Um, um, losing an engine before V one, um, it's it's a standard drill. And if they don't know how to do it, they they shouldn't be there. But this guy clearly did know how to do it. Yeah. And um, um, the the tall vertical stabilizer and the rudder authority. Kept the airplane on the runway, and we're here to talk about it. Yeah, no, it was very, very good. It was very, very good. Well, and that that failure scenario is part of the certification process. Sure. So mm-hmm. if it doesn't have enough rudder to overcome that, they'll figure that out very early in the flight test program, uh, presuming that everybody survives and finding out that it didn't already have enough rudder authority to survive it. Then they'll change how much rudder that they uh, they can put into it, maybe by changing the size or the amount of deflection, to get that to meet the standard that they have to meet. Yeah. So congratulations to that crew yeah, for uh, yeah. reacting um, um, very nicely and uh, and uh, you know turning what might have been a dicey, I guess maybe not so likely to be a dicey situation, but you never know. Um, they dealt with it very nicely. And uh, if it well, happened twenty seconds later. It would have been much busier on the flight deck than it was. I would imagine. Yeah. So. Yeah. Hey, I may cut this out. Um, David, how much are you hearing the rain noise? Uh, not mostly. Oh, okay. All right. Good. Okay. It's it's yeah, it's almost hard for us to hear ourselves. It, it's really loud here. It's it's just really raining hard. So. Yeah. Uh, no, I. Uh, all right. I, I'm not generally hearing it at all. Occasionally and. Okay. Not enough to worry about. All right, then. We'll continue, then. Another thing we talked about last episode uh, was this uh, tragic crash uh, in the uh, Java Sea of uh, Air Asia 8501. Um, And uh, there's still, to this day, well, there's been progress. Um, They're now finding serious parts of the aircraft. Um, Just today or yesterday, uh, they announced that they they claim that they have the, uh, the data recorder in hand. 
um, and they believe they know exactly where the voice report recorder is. Apparently it's under some debris on the bottom of the sea, and they're working on, on recovering it. But uh, So I guess you know that's a good sign, that, that yeah, it is. It, because this means that they'll figure this out now. Um, it may be harder to figure out why what happened happened, but they'll probably figure out what happened. And, uh, you know, we'll get. Well, that's always the first step is actually knowing the specifics of what happened. Yeah. How it played out. Jeb, you called my attention um, yesterday to a a picture, an image that uh, you were you were marveling at. Um, Why did what was that image and why did you think it was notable? Uh, Um, it was an image of wreckage recovered from the Java Sea. It was on the back of a recovery uh, uh, um, craft. Uh, in the Java Sea, and part of the um, wreckage recovery was the vertical the airplane's vertical stabilizer, and part of the fuselage, um, um, part of the aft fuselage, I should say, part of the tail, the the, the fuselage part of the tail, as opposed to, <clears throat> excuse me, as opposed to the uh, rest of the vertical stabilizer or the horizontal stabilizer or something like that. What struck me about the condition of the of the uh, wreckage was. Um, how flat it was. Um, basically, looking at the interior of the fuselage from a helicopter shot, shot from just above the ship carrying mm-hmm. the wreckage. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of detail. It was very good quality photograph. There's a lot of detail. And I, I don't know. I mean, it just seemed like a lot of destruction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and very, very little of it resembled what what was an airplane yeah it was so. pretty beat up and uh yeah, david have you seen any of these images do you know what we're talking about yeah and i've uh, read some traffic about it and you know there's some school of thought that the uh extent of the damage the distortion if you will of so much of the structure is uh evidence of how it hit yeah uh but there's also a school of thought that it's going to take the actual wreckage to examine in detail to differentiate between what happened when it hit and what's happened to it since it got on the seafloor. Right. Because they've had some extraordinary weather and bad currents down there that have moved big chunks of the wreckage significant distance from where they think it hit the water. Yeah. And, you know, that that kind of water... You know, we don't think about it in terms of how hard it is and how much uh, damage it can inflict. But ask any ship's architect about trying to design something to take the strain of heavy seas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and he'll and, and he'll tell you that it's you know it can get so bad that nothing out there right, is designed right. to stand yeah. up to it. So, I think we're going to find that the the extent of some of this damage is a combination of the way the aircraft hit the water. And what the sea has been doing to it since it's been down there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Jeb, you were commenting to me about the uh, the significance of the conditions in terms of the divers going down there. What, what were you telling me about that? It, um, I, don't, I don't recall specifically. What well, you were, you were marveling over the current, the, the yeah, speed the, of the current down there. Talking about um, on average, <clears throat> excuse me, on average of three to five knot current, possibility of six knots. And I've I've done a little bit of scuba diving over the years. Um, and you know, one knot current is is quite enough. Thank you. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. I, and two knots is probably too dangerous for at least uh, an amateur of my skill level. Three to five knots, I cannot think about, much less 
sex and, and being pushed and dragged and shoved through airplane wreckage and things like that, I don't want to dive in those conditions. Yeah. E- even if it is only 100 feet, it, it's an easy amateur dive uh, on compressed air if you do it quickly. But otherwise, uh, I don't want to be there. Yeah. So it's, it's in one sense, it's no wonder that it's taken a little while yeah. to recover these pieces. Yeah, whoever's doing that has big brass hair. Yeah, yeah. So Well, they, they had storm weather yeah. for days. It oh, was yeah. just completely incompatible with the kind of diving that they were trying to do. I mean, we're talking water that's where they had 8 and 10 foot swells moving those ships up and down that the divers are coming off of. And as shallow as that is, they're feeling that all the way to the bottom. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, what's next here? I, you know, this next item on the list. I, I, I was mistaken about which which incident this was. Um, the, the the crash that we've talked about in the past that I was curious to revisit was that Wichita Bizjet that went down. David, what's the buzz out there? What has there been, or, or even Jeb? Because you read the NTSB stuff. Has there been follow-up? I've heard nothing more about, about... Are you talking about the King Air? Uh, I'm sorry, you're right. It was a King Air, right? The one that went down on the flight safety uh, building. Oh, yeah, it's a King Air. Yeah, the King Air. I'm sorry. I stand corrected. Um, I have heard very little. I've heard nothing, basically, since the few days after it crashed. Has there been any development in, in figuring that one out? Uh, or did I miss it? Other than the preliminary that the NTSB put out, you know, uh, per its normal schedule... There's been nothing. There's uh, I haven't even heard of a hearing being scheduled. Uh, that would be the only thing I would expect to hear at this point is if they decided to have a hearing, a public hearing on this uh, uh, to investigate the material. I don't think they're going to do that here. Uh, mm-hmm. They've got the flight recorders. They've got eyewitnesses. They've got photographs and video from eyewitnesses. Uh, the wreckage was all self pretty much contained in that, in that building. Uh, so I would not expect to hear much more about this. I mean, they weren't doing, they did some public briefings during the first couple of days. And once they got the, 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 the bodies out of the building, stabilized the building and started to remove the aircraft, everything pretty much went quiet, mm-hmm. which is what the, the NTSB likes to see. Yeah, I, I would imagine. I I just remember hearing some, some, some reports, some, I don't know how to characterize it exactly, people who were marveling over the fact that this guy was a good pilot, and, and for him to get himself in this kind of a jam was, was a real head-scratcher. Um, well, it it is a real head-scratcher. I mean, uh, the guy was an acquaintance of mine. He busted his hump to uh, stay on as an air traffic controller here in Wichita and and in his off days log the kind of time that would let him uh, land that kind of job. And once he retired from the FAA, he went four square for it. That said, we don't know what happened. So we can't really make any judgments on whether this is baffling because he's such a great pilot that he must have had a failure at some point, or whether this was something that was beyond the average skills of the average King Air pilot, even one with recent time in the sim. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, we just don't know. We're back to what I told a network person about a week ago. 
I'm not going to speculate on what I don't know, and I do know this one thing, that we don't know what happened to that guy or why. Okay. Well, then we'll leave it be there, and, and, but I, I'm, I'm really curious to hear about this one. It just, there's, you know, so many times, yeah, you don't, it's not proper to speculate exactly, but it's human nature, and you kind of listen to one of these things, and you think, okay, that, that could have been this. That, I can see a scenario, and it's hard to see a scenario in this one, I, for me anyways. That's all. So partly because the guy was so respected. I mean, that's that's the big puzzler to me. Um, so, okay. We'll, we'll, Jack, we'll, it's really, really, really rare that a, a pilot well ensconced in his community dies in an airplane crash where everybody says, ah, oh, yeah, we've been looking for that to happen for years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's almost always. The guy was really good, really solid, and... For most of the people's perspective, that's true. Yeah. Uh, from my perspective, that was true. Uh, but every once in a while, aviation blesses us with something we've never seen before. Something that's beyond past experience and past failures where the investigator's eyes are open and somebody at some factory somewhere has to take into account and try to figure out how to fix that. I'm not saying that's where we are on this. But it's worth losing sight of that every time we thought that we knew enough about this stuff to make them simple and predictive to investigate, something that's come up that's never come up before. Mm-hmm. So until we resolve all that, we don't know. Yeah. 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 So. Hey, the cats on this podcast represent no one. And are here strictly on their own behalf and behest, baby. Yes. Now, Dig, if it sounds like they're talking to you about how to fly your airplane, you got to keep in mind that these dudes are speaking purely from their own headspace. You got to interpret their knowledge and their wisdom as being completely general, baby. When it's you in the left seat, you got to consider your situation, remember your training, and fly your aircraft. Can you dig it? (laughs) Hi, this is Jack. We've said it before, and it bears repeating, that maybe the most pleasant surprise of doing this podcast all these years has been meeting our listeners at fly-ins and just wandering around at airports. You talking with us and sharing your aviation experiences has helped us broaden our knowledge and enjoyment of flying. Thank you. And I'd be lying if I didn't say that we also appreciate the financial support we get from our listeners. For information on how you can make a donation to this podcast, see the Uncontrolled Airspace homepage and the box in the right-hand column labeled Tip Jar. It doesn't need to be very much. Just 10 or $15 over the span of a year is a big, big help. So thanks for listening, and please make sure you track us down and say hi at the next fly-in. Um, there's a story that's actually a little bit lower down on the list, um, but I'm, I'm, I wanted to bring it up here. Um, the um, the Uber for airplanes. So Uber is the uh, is the online uh, uh, sort of crowd sharing app for for that's somewhat replacing taxi cabs. All right, that you can dial up on your phone on your smartphone and you can call for someone to to come by and pick you up. <laughs> and it's just regular folks. I mean, who have gone through some sort of screening process, but but basically regular folks driving their own personal cars, making some spare some extra money, um, giving rides around town. Um, Uber and there's I think another one called Lyft, and there may be a, another one uh, for cars. And uh, it's been such a, such a success in the car world that it just seems like a no-brainer to try and apply it to airplanes. 
accept that there are some gotchas here. We talked about this in the past because it seemed, to me anyways, pretty clear that this was going to be a violation of the commercial flight rules, um, and uh, as well as perhaps some other rules. Uh, has something changed recently? Because suddenly in the last week I've seen two different outfits that are going to try this again, and to the point where they're actually filing suit against, I don't know, FAA or the feds in some form, um, saying that, that you can't restrict this, that you've got to let us do this. Um, Sounds like to me they found an attorney who's willing to sue the FAA. Yeah. You think? Okay, well, maybe that's what it is. It, it does seem like it's two... At first I thought this might be the two stories of the same company, and it doesn't appear that way. Um, it, it appears that there's two different companies. One of them is down here in the Tampa area, and yeah. uh, yeah. Um, and uh, he claims he's going to get started. This one made me laugh because he said, you know, he says he says I'm I'm going to you know challenge the FAA and I'm going to make them you know I'll let me do this. In the meantime, we're going to do this. We're going to have all this kind of sharing flight time thing through your smartphone, but we're not going to collect money. We're just going to take donations, <laughs> which made me laugh. I think, oh, oh I didn't even see that. Yeah, it was down oh, low in man. that story. And says, the company uh, plans to use the Tampa Bay area as its test region beginning February one. Dude, take it somewhere else. We don't need any attention from the FAA down here. Yeah. Thank, so, you. Uh, Thank you very much. You know, I'm, I, you know, I, in general, I'm in favor of all this kind of new, you know, you know, the, the ways that technology is changing the world. I have grave doubts about this one. I, I think that the, the, the commercial rules that are trying to be applied here are, make sense. Um, I, I think that, that anybody who's going to take money for flying in this way and i do believe it's holding forth for flight and all that kind of stuff um and and basically if you're starting to collect money to give people rides in your airplane you're going to drive if nothing else you're going to drive a much more enhanced kind of get home itis kind of situation i think it's going to hurt flight safety if they were allowed to do it i think it's a bad idea i think well go ahead jeb no no please you you dive in first because I, I haven't, I haven't said Jane, you ignorant slut yet. All, all episode. I'm, I'm of mixed attitudes about this, and and part of my mixed attitude about this is in knowing people that would happen to mention to a friend, "Gee, I'm flying to Dallas next week," and they go, "Wow, I've got an appointment in Addison. Uh, what day are you going down?" And you find out you're going down the same day. They were going to drive. You're going to fly, and you invite them to ride along. Now, if they buy the pilot lunch, is that compensation? I don't think so. Okay. But the F- the FAA could look at that and go, "Oh, well, you see, you receive compensation for it. I mean, a value meal at Mickey D's in exchange for four hours of ride time." Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, when, when an outfit comes up and sets itself up as we'll collect money from you and help you find a ride. And then we'll share that money with the guy providing a ride. Then I'm more in your, in your camp check. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think there should be a way for this to happen where, and there are ride sharing sites out there right now where no money changes hands for people to uh to get a ride someplace on an airplane and there are charter outfits that regularly use a system like this to sell empty seats well but a charter outfit but they're different. already they're right. already a commercial operation right. they don't fit into this analogy right so the analogy of a guy bumping into somebody you know at family night at the buffet and 
oh, we're both going to the same place on the same day and coming back the same day. Why don't you ride with me instead of driving? It'll be easier. You'll save time. And the guy says, oh, yeah, and I'd be glad to spit, split gas with you unless the things have changed a lot more than I believe, that would pass muster. I, I think that might. That's certainly a lot closer, but, but it's, it's when you, it's when you, you know, I'm going to make finger quotes, advertise, all right, for strangers to, to get, take a ride with you, you know? And you might even be, if it's like Uber, the, the stranger is actually going to be suggesting the, de- de- the destination, all right? Um, and so I, I just think it's, it's, it's rife for safety issues. Um, Jeb, what do you think? Well, I don't know. I, I, I agree with Dave that it's, it's a mixed bag. Um, on one level, and I, I agree with you also, on one level, um, we don't want um, amateurs holding themselves out to provide commercial transportation. Um, but first, we have to define what we mean by amateurs, and secondly, we have to define what we mean by commercial transportation. And I don't have you know good, hard you know, rules for those uh, definitions for those terms. At the same time, um, any private pilot is much better trained than any automobile, I won't say any, but than than the typical automobile driver, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, So the the pilot has, and the the airplane transportation thing has that going for it. Secondly, um, if it were an automobile, um, what they're doing is completely legal. Um, if it was automobiles involved, these rideshare for um, uh, a cut of the money or whatever, uh, a flat fee to set it up, um, that would be no problem at all. Mm-hmm. Okay, As we've seen with Uber and as we've seen with some other uh, companies, although that's not to say they're not controversial. Um, at the end of the day... Um, there should be some mechanism that the FAA will allow that we can use technology to find rides, to find passengers willing to chip in uh, with the proviso and with the full understanding through either a disclaimer or a, um, a label on the airplane or something. That the flight is not commercial, it is not conducted, um, uh, it's not a regular common carrier, it is not conducted for hire, it is not subject to the same rules and regulations as a logoed commercial airliner might be. Mm-hmm. If yeah. we can figure out a way to make those distinctions and make sure everybody knows what's going on and that this is not the same as buying a ticket on Southwest, then I don't see what all the big fuss is about okay yeah and if you look at some of the events that the three of us are partial to where the organizers of those events right provide a service to potential attendees and the members of their organizations uh, through a ride sharing program now, these organizations don't charge anything for it. They don't take a cut. You don't have to post with them. You just can look at a list and go, oh, you know, I've got seats going from here to there. Maybe somebody here would like to ride up to there and back on the same days. I got empty seats going anyway. I've done it. Uh, took some friends to Oshkosh one year. 
had a terrible time telling them that they couldn't pay for anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, just seriously. Uh, they felt like, so the last night there, uh, the last time I turned them down for, you know, trying to cover the cost of any of this, uh, I had to remind them that, that I was there on a contract that covered my expenses. Ergo, there was that for them to, nothing for them to pay for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that organization, that event regularly runs this ride sharing board right. for people that want to come. They don't charge anything for it. And I've not seen the FAA getting in their knickers over that. So there's got to be a way for this to go out to the private people in a, in, in a circumstance that's not attached to a specific event and destination. Uh, I think Jeb's 100% right there. Technology should be, uh, there should be a way to structure the use of this technology to make that happen and meet the FAA's mm-hmm. uh, uh, standards. Uh, but it sure as hell shouldn't be cut off because that kind of exposure to GA could be a pretty positive thing in terms of our growth. Well, yeah, go ahead. All, all of the above is true. And, and I, I get, you know, I think part of what the FAA would say is that uh, and, and however they define it, they would consider um, a, an arm's length transaction um, where there's no common um, characteristic that the operator, the aircraft operator, and the passenger share, that that is something that they cannot allow generally. A shared characteristic could be something as simple as membership in the EAA or membership in some other organization and wanting to catch a ride to that organization's annual meeting. Okay. Um, that's a pretty slim. Uh, test to meet, uh, all things considered, but that's the kind of thing that I think the FAA looks for. Um, why cannot you know membership, however uh, much it might cost, membership in a um, an organization that does things other than ride share, but also does ride share as one of its principal activities? Uh, can that not be compliant with the FAA regulations? I don't know. And that might be something we're about to find out. Yeah. Okay. A couple of videos I just wanted to call people's attention to um, and uh, urge them to go take a look at. Um, In the past, we talked about, there was a video floating around about the the formation flight of five Airbus A350s um, in celebration of their, some anniversary, the 10th or 50th. Probably that they have five A350s. Now, now. Um, it was a nice video. It was very, very scenic. It was very well done. Uh, it was fun to watch these airplanes flying in formation and doing some, some maneuvers that you don't, you generally see groups of, of airliners do. And so it was a nice video. I came across another video, um, that is sort of the making of, of that video. Uh, and it shows a little bit behind the scenes. It shows a little bit of some of the briefings that went on. Um, and uh, it's just kind of it, has, it gives you another interesting perspective on on that uh, on those flights on those formation flights that we saw in the other video. So uh, I would urge people to uh, check out the uh, YouTube link in our show notes, um, or just search for I believe it's called Family Flight is the name of the video. This and, uh, this radar screen is starting to 
to turn colors I've never really seen before. Yeah, I don't know whether our listeners That's can hear it or not. It's been yeah. raining steadily the whole time we've been recording here, and sometimes Jeb and I are having a hard time hearing, hearing ourselves because it's raining so hard. David insists he can't hear it, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll... Well, I did just hear a big yeah. and rush of white noise it for sounded about like five it was, seconds. It sounded like it was thinning out, and now, I agree, Jeb, it just suddenly kind of, kind of stepped up again, so... Uh, well, I'm looking at what Jeb's talking about. Yeah, what does it uh, look up like? Here. It looks ugly. It looks like the kind of stuff that makes me stand on the front porch until it makes me wet to make sure I don't need to go to the basement I don't have. <laughs> I'm sure you meant that one way and not another, but that's okay. <laughs> Shalberto wasn't there to make you come inside, though, right? That's the thing. I, it's, it's my. That was me. I'm famous in my... What's that? Oh, yeah, you made me come inside, too, but Shelbert is the one we heard on the video. I was shooting him. This is when we had the tornado. At, and I, after all that, it just stopped. And it just stopped. Just it just com- it it's like someone off. turned off the valve. Yeah, so just as long as you don't hear that train noise that Shelbert was all, all, all excited about. Yeah, there's no, I don't think there's enough of that. Yeah, we heard it that day. Yeah, we I heard it that day. I Anyways, it's it. been raining. I, I, don't, I don't have any alerts you, coming in, so. Yeah. If you have five A350s in formation, does that qualify as an Airbus 1750? <laughs> It's a cool video, and people should take a look at it. You could search YouTube for Family Flight or check out our show notes and, uh, and check out the video there. Another video, um, also very, very scenic and, and beautiful, um, is a, uh, a, a private pilot who does, he, on, his, uh, on his Vimeo site, has uh, a bunch of aviation videos of him flying various places and doing various things with an airplane. And one that really caught my attention, quite scenic, was a, a departure from Lee Bottom Airport um, uh, out there, the grass strip out in the on the edge of the Ohio River. And uh, it shows him taxiing out and taking off on the grass and then uh, flying, uh, uh, you know, uh, circling the airport, not circling exactly, but p- flying past the airport and, and uh, heading off. Long looking, run looking, looking west and downriver. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a very, very beautiful video and, uh, and, and fun to watch. And so uh, um, I, I'm not sure exactly to tell you how to search for that one, but uh, we'll put a link in the show notes. But uh, Lee Bottom, what's it called? Does either of you have it on your screen right now? Yeah. What's yeah. the title of the video? Lee, Lee Bottom Departure. Okay. So uh, search for that one. What's the guy's name? I don't have it on my screen. Jamie Gamble. There you go. So fun video. Nice video. Shout outs. What do we got here? Anybody got anything here? Um, maybe I'll go first um, and and call attention. to. The, so we, we talked uh, throughout the past year about the AOPA regional fly-ins that they held for the first time um, over this past year, a kind of different kind of fly-in program than they've done in the past. And, and what a, just a tremendous success it was. Everyone reported that these fly-ins were, were just a lot of fun and very well attended. Jeb, you attended one of them right. and, and had, had great things to say about right. it. I heard from a lot of people about how, what a success for that program was in, in 2014. And they have now announced the dates and locations for the 2015 edition of, of the regional fly-ins. Um, very quickly, in May, they're going to be at Salinas Airport in Salinas, California. In June, they're going to hold the home, what I call the homecoming, which is at Frederick Municipal Airport in Frederick, Maryland. And that's where AOPA's headquarters is located. In August, oh, thunder! I heard thunder. Thunder, yeah, yeah. In August, they're going to be at Anoka County Blaine Airport in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, in September, they're going to be at Colorado Springs Municipal Airport in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And finally, in October, they're going to be at Tullahoma Regional Airport in Tullahoma, Tennessee. Tullahoma. Tullahoma. Thank you. And uh, I'm a nor- I'm a northern boy. I don't know this stuff. Um, so. Uh, 
that's uh, it's it, it looks to be another great season of of AOPA regional fly-ins, and uh, hopefully this year I'll get to attend one of them. Um, I already know I can't go to the homecoming because I, I already have a job on my calendar for that week. But uh, um, this may be an opportunity. This may be an excuse for me to make a visit to to the Bay Area that I haven't in a long time, and then drive down to Salinas, which would be a good thing. Salinas is a cool airport. <laughs> I've 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 got Salinas in my logbook a number of times, and uh, oh yeah, thunder! I don't know if people can hear that, but. Uh, it's it's uh, apparently it is yellow and and, and red and yeah it's, it's not purple uh, and blue is it Jeb? It's it was oh, really <laughs> okay. Well, actually, I wish I didn't know that. I'm kind of glad I didn't know that. Anyways, the regional fly-ins for 2015 they've announced. You can go to aopa.org and uh, and find uh, more details about it, uh, their plans. For it's them. the one time you don't want to follow the magenta line. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. Uh, that's why. What shout-outs? You guys got any shout-outs? Yeah, real quick. Um, there's a video. It's on the the Popular Science website, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it's it's a video basically from the back seat of I believe it's an RV10, and um, um, Andrew Barker, president of I think True Track uh, Autopilots. Uh, it's his airplane. He's flying it. He's in the left seat, um, and what they're doing is using um, uh, an iPad app called Zavion, I believe, X-A-V-I-O-N. Um, Zavion fe- has a feature in it that uh, is basically uh, a highway in the sky type of application that provides guidance to the nearest runway in the event of an engine failure. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, do what the iPad app tells you to do if you've got the energy, and um, you will come out at the end of that uh, with a runway in front of you. Mm-hmm. And what they've done is they've hooked this up to the True Track Autopilot and let the airplane fly um, this, uh, let the airplane basically be flown by an iPad, which is both interesting and frightening all at the same yeah, time. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, yeah, uh, this is an yeah. emergency situation, right? This is an emergency situation. Yeah. Um, but it's clear that uh, we've kind of jumped a shark or two here. Uh, when we can do something like this, it, obviously all this is experimental equipment. Uh, it's good VFR, yada yada yada. Uh, it's it's completely safe to do this because all you got to do is flip a switch and disconnect it, disconnect the iPad from uh, from the system if they had to. But they didn't have to, mm-hmm. and that's all just very kind of to me anyway, very interesting. And uh, there's a as I said, there's a video up on the Popular Science website, and uh, uh, we'll put a link to that. So just kind of a shout out to the knowledge and the capability that we can do that. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. David, you got anything? Yeah, real quick and dirty. Uh, I have not been as attentive to forums as I should have been. Pilot Bill from Texas asked me a question some time ago about my uh, headset conversion article from an AvWeb back in 2001. Was, this is cool. I want to hear about this, David. You wrote this article way back when about headsets. Way, way back then, I had it in an AvWeb. I had another article series in Kid Planes, and uh, the question was how are those headsets holding up 13 years later. Uh, Bill, I had to replace part of the electronics in one of them about six years in, uh, and other than that, they've held up fine. Uh, I've replaced the ear seals a couple of times as better ones have come along. But uh, I'd do that. I'd do that conversion again. What, what was the brand and models that we're talking about here? Well, Headsets Inc., which is still in existence. The, uh, the website is uh, headsetsinc.com. 
they make kits that convert passive headsets ah, to active okay. noise reduction headsets. Got it. Okay. And at 160 or 70 bucks a pop. Now, do they still? Uh, I'm sorry, you said they still do. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Okay, cool. They're yeah. still still in business. Still got the website that still works. Uh, there's, they've got a broader product base than they had when I bought them uh, 13, 14 years ago. I think we bought those in 2000 and put them in, uh, maybe even earlier than that. Uh, my bride had uh, done some headset shopping. Found out that the A and R's were really nice. Uh, kind of balked at, you know, two thousand bucks for two pair of bows that mm-hmm. it was going to cost at the time. We visited the headsets Inc. people. Uh, they showed us what they did. Uh, we bought two kits and put them in our David Parks. Uh, never been sorry about them. Uh, like I said, that one one guts failed on it where I started to get some feedback. Uh, I exchanged it for another one. Uh, I don't remember what it cost. God, that's been eight years, nine years, ten years ago that I had to replace the one. But I was happy with them. So, Bill, Pilot Bill from Texas, the short answer is uh, they still work and fine. That's great. That's cool. great. Yeah. Um, finally, a shout-out to our, our pals at uh, Sporty's Pilot Shop. Um, this is a really interesting story. So what, what some people don't realize, if you may be familiar with Sporty's, the, uh, the, the mail-order catalog online um, you know, product company, um, a retailer, um, they have quite an operation there. Um, Hal and company have quite an operation um, at, at, out of their home base. And one of the things they do is flight training. Um, I'm not exactly sure the relationship, but they, they, they have a flight training operation, and they've now... They've gotten involved with trying to create a more affordable fleet of training aircraft. Um, and what they have created is a, a sort of a cost-reduced, refurbed Cessna 172 um, that they're calling the 172 Lite. A no-frill, I'm quoting now from an article um, in uh, on avweb.com, um, a, a no-frills basic trainer that can fly the heftiest student and instructor combination and still carry more than an hour's worth of fuel. Um, and since uh, good 172s are ubiquitous, the story goes on to say, uh, on the used market, Sporty says it can refurbish and refit the aircraft and still rent them for $99 an hour, which is a pretty good price for a 172. You know, it's a shame that there's not some kind of an event coming up <laughs> in which you, there could be some kind of a, of a roundtable discussion of topics like this. Yeah, I know, huh? Maybe we should do that on maybe let's do it on Thursday. What do you say? We we, we, we could call what it a grand idea. We yeah. well, you guys the, just never stop coming up with good ideas. Affordable aviation expo. And, and I should warn you, anything could happen here because the lights just flash big time here. And my generator's tango uniform. So. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. So uh, we'll see whether or not we continue to record here. But uh, congratulations to Sporty for, um, for making the effort. And uh, I'm, I'm guessing subsidizing this at least to a little bit of an extent um, in order to help uh, uh, beef up the uh, pilot population. Um, so uh, if you're anywhere in there, the, in the uh, I always blank on this. Is it the Cincinnati area? Where's Sporty? Yeah. Sporty's is located in the Cincinnati area. Yeah, Claire, just wanna, up, just up river a little. Well, to, to the northeast. Of say Cincinnati the name of the airport. Proper. I want to say Claremont. Is that right? Claremont. That's Claremont. Right. Yeah. Um, Claremont. Airport. Claremont County. Yeah. Claremont County Airport now near Cincinnati. Um, and uh, if you're a flight student, or if you're just in the area and uh, want to sh- uh, check out their, uh, I believe they have a retail retail store, don't they? 
Um, yeah, yeah, they do. And yeah, they do absolutely. hot dogs like every yeah. Saturday or every Saturday. One, you know, we, every we Saturday. talked about doing that. Um, it's it's just a long haul for for a day trip. Yeah, but for hot dogs from from Sarasota. But well, we're going to work that in one of these days. I know. And, uh, so. If you do do that, tell them tell Hal that uh, UCAP sent you. Absolutely, absolutely. I think that's it. Time to put a fork in it here, especially if the power's going to fail. And <laughs> get this thing in the can before. <laughs> we might get the fork before we're someplace huh? we don't want it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've got to find the right little piece of paper here. Where is it here? Thank you, guys. I appreciate you taking the time. Um, Dave Higdon is a, an aviation photographer and aviation journalist and the U.S. editor for London's Av Buyer magazine. David, what have you been working on? Anything fun? Uh, working on some Really interesting stuff about uh, batteries. Batteries. But it won't be out for a while. That's not so. a contradiction. Really interesting stuff about batteries. Yep, aircraft batteries. What makes it, give us one sentence, two sentences. Why, what makes it interesting? Uh, it's new and it's better. Okay, all right. Uh, what Can you tell us what publication that might appear in? That will be in the... March, I believe it is, Avionics News. Very cool. And where can people find you and about this and other things on the Internet? Uh, well, let's see. Uh, I'm Real Higdon on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at AvBuyer, my work at AvBuyer.com. Just click on the magazine link. Uh, AEA.net for Avionics News work stuff, uh, or just do a Google search. And remember, I don't play golf, and I'm not smart enough to be the theoretical physicist. Okay. And uh, thank you, Jeb, uh, my my host here in, in Hidden River for the uh, next week or so. Uh, Jeb is a freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. Um, and also thanks for the exciting weather, Jeb. My goodness, this is it's rained no, the entire hour we've been yeah, doing this. N- no extra charge. No extra charge. What have you been working on, Jeb? What's going on? Uh, just put together, put to bed the uh, February issue of, uh, of uh, Aviation Safety Magazine. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. You, when you go out and you're, you're choosing a flight instructor, say at an FBO or a training organization, yeah. uh-huh. um, you got you know kind of two choices often. You have the old geezer, the, the guy who's been around the pike, uh, um, knows where all the bodies are buried, got more experience than, than uh, you have days alive. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you want to fly with him or do you want to fly with um, – the young puppy mill grad who's just came out of uh, one of the uh, uh, the aviation universities, and, and which of those two instructors might you want to fly with? That's a, that's a very interesting question. I, I actually which, which one is less likely to hurt you? Oh well, that's an interesting question. Uh, you see, there's more to it than that, if you ask me. But that's what yeah. you're writing. You someone you've got someone writing a story. Are you doing I, a story I, on that? Yeah, we have an article uh, in the magazine on that very topic. Cool. Well, yeah. I think I'll be interested to hear what uh, what your you is it you who wrote it? You wrote it or something? I did not write it. But I'll be interested to hear what your author had to had to say about I, this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I actually have experience both with with uh, young pups and with uh, old grizzled uh, uh, veterans and. Uh, they're very different experiences, and uh, maybe I'll share that with you later on after I've read your article. Yeah, I, I'd look forward to chatting yeah, about that. Cool. Yeah. Where can people find you on the Internet? AviationSafetyMagazine.com. Um, also, you can find me around Avionics News every now and then. Uh, so that would be AEA.net. Um, Burnside J on the Twitter machine and uh, send up a flare. Who knows? Yeah, there you go. And uh, let me just say, Jeb, thank you again for your hospitality as usual. It's a, it's a blast to be down here. And, my pleasure. Uh, looking forward to uh, the rest of my visit. 
And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. Uh, I'm just about caught up now on all the back episodes of UCAP. I've got one that we, we dropped out of, the, out of the lineup about uh, three episodes ago, and uh, we'll get that one up in the next week or so. Um, this one should go up in the next couple days. I want to get it online before we go to, uh, to uh, Sebring, and then we'll be doing some dailies from Sebring. That'll, that'll be some fun stuff. Continuing to do the iPhone programming, um, and, uh, and uh, I'm on the home stretch of uh, doing Volume 3 of Around the Field, the ebook, the Kindle ebook version. So uh, you can follow me on, uh, on Twitter at twitter.com slash Jack Hodgson, and you can learn more about me than you really ever wanted to know at jackhodgson.com and aroundthefield.net. Big thanks, as always, to Jeff Ward for all his help with the show notes and in the forums and, and all the other bits and pieces of advice that he gives us. Uh, thanks to Mike Morgan, to Royce Earl, to Jim Goldman, to the many other listeners who have created the UCAP Disclaimer Clips. And don't forget, you can check out the rest of the UCAP website. You can chat with us directly and with many of your fellow listeners in the Uncontrolled Airspace forums. By the way, another piece of bonus uh, content appeared in the forums uh, the other day. So if, you're, uh, if, you're, if you can't get enough, and I don't understand why you, this isn't more than enough, but if you can't get enough UCAP, um, there's occasionally bits and pieces of, of uh, bonus content appearing in the forums, and uh, you can check it out there. How did uh, that happen? Uh, you know, go figure. Uh, you can also see who's doing what on the new ratings webpage of fame and much, much more. All of that is at uncontrolledairspace.com. David, was there something you wanted to say? If you want to live and be as old and crotchety as Jack, spend more time flying than he does because, as you know, time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. Bye-bye. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying. TTFN. TTFN.